Hello. Welcome. Thank you for being here with me. I like it. Will you walk with me? This way, out of the station, through the main doors, and turn right. Does it feel weird, me talking to you like this? Try to relax. You'll get used to it. And from my point of view, well, I appreciate the company. I really do. I imagine you walking with me every day. Well, not every day. Some days, you're not in my head. But only because it's kinder. Kinder to me. To try to keep you on the edge of my consciousness. I am trying to be in the present. I'm trying to put that which has, up until now, defined me and determined my choices into a box in my head. The lid of which I will not open. Inside are my children and my mother my husband and my home. Oh, but they are tenacious. They push their way out. I know, I'm a cliché and an assumption in your head. Well, maybe not your head, but in many of the heads that you're passing right now. But really, this cliché is my life. I walk away from the station and towards the Comfort Inn on the left, which doesn't actually look very comfortable, does it? That old house on the left at the end of the row, can you see it? with the orange and yellow curtains, trapped in between the railway and the shopping centre and the roads. I always wonder if anyone lives there. I think the noise would be immensely tiring. I stayed in a place in Wakefield recently like that, and I slept in my clothes and my coat. Come with me. Down the steps, to the cockpit on my right-hand side. Ooh, steep steps, hold on, it smells dirty. It feels secluded and makes me quite anxious. I don't come into Leeds much. Do you? I guess you do. I don't hang around in the city. Well, I say that. If you saw me, you might think I was hanging around, but I'm not. I'm just filling some of the hours in my day by walking, like we are now. You will move too fast in this city. Fastness, it seems to me, is your indicator of wealth. Those aspiring to wealth move extra quickly, getting ready to be wealthy. The slower you go, the less notice you get, until your social pace is so slow that you become an inconvenience to the fast people and then someone tries to do something about you, get you out, send you back, move you out of the way. I live on my own and I don't have a social circle as such. There's nothing to do on my own. People can be a bit difficult. We walk past the car park and the clubs in the archways on the right. Look ahead. See those trees? Makes me think of the trees I planted for my children in our garden. A flowering plum for my firstborn and a crabapple for my second. The plum flowered when my second was born. A welcome. I have the photo in my pocket. My children are three and one and a half. They are raucous and delightful. My eldest is learning his letters and can count up to 20, and my youngest is learning that cats can bite. 
he will persist in trying to befriend them, and that snails are not to his taste. Although, of course, that's what they were doing. I don't know what they're doing now. Let's not think about that. It's going to make me cry, and we've only just met, and it seems to me there is reluctance in people here to reveal their emotions. I don't want to embarrass you, or me. Up ahead, we're going to cross the main road and walk through the alleyway into Queen's Court. There is a sign above the alleyway that says Queen's Court. Look out for it and we won't get lost. I like it in here, under a canopy of fairy lights. A place of pause in the motion of the city, I suppose. Time off. A nest. Did you get the map I left you? My friend says it looks like the kind of thing you get on tea towels in tourist shops in Cornwall, but I didn't know what he meant by that. I did geography at school, so I've tried to muster up some cartography skills from my youth, but that feels like a very long time ago, so there's no guarantee. If you're uncertain, just ask someone. You at least can do that easily, hey? This is Call Lane. Cross over the road as you come out of the alley and turn left up the hill. Now this is my favourite street in Leeds. Why? <laughs> because it goes down to the river and because in the daytime it's not that busy. And mostly because I like to look in the music shop window. Do you see the guitars and the pink and brown and green violas? Now apparently the viola is the poor relation of the violin. I didn't know this. If you play the viola, you are looked down on by the rest of the string section. Let's go up towards the corn exchange. Leeds, I like. What I like about Leeds is my sense of security, that I'm safe, that I'm free, that theoretically I have the freedom to do anything. I didn't used to have freedom. I had problems with the government because of the religion I was following but here nobody seems to mind. Everybody minds their own business. On better days I like to think I'm looked at as a human being. Nothing else. I am free to follow my beliefs, my dreams. On bad days I try not to be looked at at all. It's not like Dudley and Wolverhampton. There I slept lots, drank lots. I was very isolated. I'd just left home and I think I was actually in shock for about a year. I really don't remember very much of it at all, apart from the feeling of being completely out of my mind. It feels like a gap in my identity, a moratorium on the continuum that is me. In fact, it's more than that. It's a definite mark. Then, end. And this, beginning. Beginnings are meant to bulge with hopefulness. I am looking for, trying to be, full of hope. Walk with me towards the bus station. Ahead of me is Kirkgate Market. Stop when you reach it. And look up at the architecture. It's beautiful. It's like St Paul's Cathedral. All those bright windows. Who cleans those? Sorry, is that too mundane a thought? 
My husband often complained of my incessant need to chat, to verbalise my thoughts, but really, look up. I think about gargoyles, gatekeepers. I am click-clicking my red shoes and hoping the wizard works his magic. Once, when I was at school, we had to pretend to be monsters and I sat on my friend Anthony's shoulders and he was a door and I was the gargoyle above it, making funny faces and sticking my tongue out. Anthony was my childhood sweetheart. Now we turn right and walk down towards the outdoor market and the bus station. Stop on the corner at the pedestrian crossing. Press the button. Wait for the green man. Or just run across the road. You choose. Hmm. I'd choose an easy life and to see my children again and to make a house, any house, a home. An emotional screensaver. And I'd choose to own my own bed linen and to be the centre of someone's world, even just today, just now. Or maybe I'll just run across the road. Past the post office. This is where I queue every Monday. £39 per week. I am genuinely grateful for this money. I am. Thank you for the taxes. The government is very reasonable here. Not like my government. I don't think I can fully describe the fear. Opposite the post office is the entrance to Leeds City Market. Come in to the market with me through the automatic doors. Just listen. Look up at the letters hanging down. A, B, C, D, E. Follow them. Follow them to F and Dale Farm Foods, and there, turn right, and then walk down and into the outdoor market. Walk right down to the end where the fruit and vegetables are. Just look, and just listen.
Have you come through the sliding doors yet? Keep walking. I'm still with you. Turn left once you reach the end of the market. Walk out of the exit and immediately turn right into the National Express entrance. Everyone is looking at me strangely. Walk through into the National Express entrance. Walk past the customer service desk to where the coaches are waiting. London is National Express platform number one. I'm going to sit on the bench opposite coach stop number one. Come and sit down with me. We've been walking for a bit now and I'm sure you must need a rest. I do. To the left of me is a drinks machine that sells crisps and chocolate, Snickers and Kit Kats, and above me it says, thank you for not smoking. The bus goes at every hour, basically. I was brought to Leeds on a bus. It was a cold day. Every day is a cold day. This is not what I expected. I have been screened and received. The weird thing is that no one knows my name. Bet. Floss. Mummy. Elizabeth is written down on the card in my pocket. But no one uses that, or used to. I was dropped off at six o'clock in the evening, on my own, with no idea where to go, or who, or even how to ask. The how was the hardest part. I am willing, 
but I am not able. If I am credible, I can stay. I have a degree in business communications. I have a solicitor in London and a key worker in Leeds. At home, I have a family and a house with a number 17 on the blue door and a red berry tree outside that I tell my son he cannot eat the fruit of and he always asks why. Every time, why? And actually, I'm not really sure if they're poisonous at all, but I say they are, just in case. Every time. I didn't know how to catch the bus in Leeds. The first time I tried to catch a bus was horrible. I was looking around, but there was no one to help, and I decided that if I just sit here, I can't help myself. So I got up, and I thought that when I get to the bus stop, I'll just ask someone. From here... At this stop, I caught a coach to London, from Stand 1, over there, to Victoria Coach Station. And when I arrived in London, I had no idea where to go next. This is what my mother must have felt like when my father died. Lost and frightened by the smallest trivia, humiliated by her public incapacity to do the things that a grown adult should be able to do. Exhausted, absolutely exhausted by the simplest task that everyone around me is completing unconsciously, I am learning everything again, like a patient with brain damage who has forgotten how to, how to open a packet of biscuits, which makes me stand out even more. I'm a tourist in this city. I called my solicitor and he was so laid back about it. He said, just get the number 134 and come to Old Street. And he laughed. Work it out. I asked people, but they rushed past me. I was smiling and everything. They didn't trust me, I suppose. I got there at 10 o'clock in the morning and we discussed my case for about four hours. I was worried about time. I thought the ticket office would be closed and I worried where I would stay the night. And I was foolish. I didn't know how things worked here. I'd only bought a one-way ticket to London, so I had to get another one. So I left to come back about 8pm. It was four hours and 20 minutes on the bus. I counted them and willed them to go quicker so I could get home safely. I got to Leeds and it was very quiet. And a man, an elderly man, he was drunk. Really drunk and he started calling me names. I am a respectable human being with qualifications and emotions and self-esteem and the ability to think critically and logically and creatively. I wanted to shout. I want often to shout. OK, enough. Let's walk again. Come with me. Back through the same doors, the sign that says tickets and information. Walk towards the toilets, turning right after the seats, and exit through the double doors in front of you. You'll see the sign for bus stop 21 as you go through. Turn immediately left past Arden News on your left and the bus bays on your right, which are often full of kids, young people, messing about. Leave the station through the exit ahead of you. I'm feeling really tired, because I've just been out all day. I really miss the physical touch of my husband. I miss resting in the retreat of my own home where you can switch off, screen save 
This whole new environment is just frightening to me. Walk with me straight ahead onto Dyer Street. I can see the West Yorkshire Playhouse on the other side of the road. Keep walking up towards a big roundabout. At the roundabout, keep left. Mostly, at the moment, I'm writing and drawing. I draw in black biro, on flip chart paper. Mostly faces and flowers, but the subject can be anything. They remind me of a spirograph, my drawings. The more the pattern repeats, the denser it gets. The more you can drill down into it and the darker it becomes. At the moment, I prefer drawing to writing, because once it's complete, then no one can change it. It's finished and ready to show and doesn't depend on the kindness of strangers. It's mine and no one can change it. Cross over the side street with hoagies in front of you and then turn left and walk up Eastgate, please. Half a million cases from David Blunkett's days and through that time I cannot work. My appeal is still going on. I have to hang around and wait, or in my case, walk. I have been waiting for two years. If I get a serious job offer, I'll apply for a work permit. I don't care anymore. I have to be practical. I can work and take all the money, or I can work and contribute the tax. It's up to them. On the other side of this road is Argos and a bar called Sahara. It's open late at night and it's a good place to go for a cup of tea and something to eat. It's good food. I would recommend it if you haven't been there before. I'm getting loads of really curious looks because I'm talking to myself into a microphone. <laughs> I am Adam in my favourite TV programme, Spooks. I am privy to secret information and special knowledge about what is happening here. I am invisible. My eyes are sore from being up too early. I'm surprised that so many other people are up and going places. Busier than I assumed it would be at this time. That's good for me. It makes me feel safer. I was worried about walking in the dark, especially even on main roads. Do you ever play that game where you try to guess the names of the strangers that walk past you based on what they look like? This is my least favourite road in Leeds. All uphill and too much noise. I like going to the park. We all do. You and me. Days of rest. It's like being neutered being in a city with very little money. Every aspect becomes unavailable to you. That said, I admit to shopping. I hold my hands up to fulfilling the female stereotype. Well, it's not really shopping, it's just pretending. Pretending to buy gifts for my family at Christmas. Making mental notes of the things I would have bought for them. I always got it wrong with my dad anyway. Recognising in his face the confusion and disappointment when he opened my gift, but tried to be cheerful about it. I used to do this with my mother too, but more with my father. A CD rack, some stationery boxes, some garden candles... He didn't want any of them, really. 
A road atlas of Europe was undoubtedly the most successful present I ever gave him, as he had this, this ridiculous dream that he wanted to drive to Monaco when he retired. But he never got there. He ran out of time. I've made it further than he ever did. Some holiday. At Barclays Bank, cross over Vicar Lane and carry on up the hill. We're now on the hedgerow. I don't think I'll ever go back. It's difficult. Contrary to people's perceptions, I don't hang about in this city. Most days, good ones and bad ones, I have a huge urge to breathe the air of indoor privacy. But I try to make myself come out every day just to acclimatise, to find out more about this new city that I live in and to step up to this emptiness with courage and gratitude. It's taking me a very long time. When you get to the top of Brigat, stop. It's on your left-hand side and it's a pedestrianised street dedicated to shoppers. Stand at the top of the street, equidistant between Muji on your left and Burton's on your right, and look down the hill. Look as far as you can. Look up. Look at the buildings above the shops. Look at the throng of people carrying plastic bags. The Victorian Quarter. The curvy lampposts. Look as far away as you can. This is the first mile of Leeds where the city started. I think about working in a shop at home, my first proper job listening to endless, painful repeats of songs by the Lighthouse family and folding and refolding jumpers and shirts that people rarely bought. Christmas Eve in a shop 200 miles away from my family. I used to get really bored. So bored that I didn't notice when someone stole a leather jacket right under my nose. I felt quite bad about that. You're the first person I've told. You really are. It's hard to remember what I imagined this would be like. I think I thought life would be easier. That earning money to build a new life would be easier. People would return home from here and make it sound so glamorous, but actually, it's really hard work. It's not easy to find a job, even once you're allowed to work. And the language, the language is such a barrier. If I were in touch with people back home, I would put them off coming here, because it feels almost impossible on some days. The whole journey from leaving my home to trying to make a life here is... It's really, really hard and lonely and enormously stressful. But my home is not safe, and you cannot live with that level of panic every day. So whilst one option, the one I've left behind, is fight, flight, can't catch your breath, the other, this one, is slow burn wheezing through an oxygen mask. OK, let's walk again. Up to the library, I think. Carry on walking up the hill, passing Burton's on your left-hand side, up the hedgerow towards the town hall. You might just be able to see the clock in the distance. When I first arrived in Leeds, after the hostel, 
I was offered a flat. To be honest, most people don't want to live there, but there's nowhere else for them to go, and that breeds this kind of residual anger. It's very dirty on the outside, the communal space, I mean, and really, I think it's not somewhere you could enjoy, however positive your outlook, however desperate your circumstances. Because I have nothing, my sense of taste is diminished. Is that how it's meant to work? I may have nothing here, but at home I do. Did. There's the usual that you'd expect. Graffiti on the walls, people with drug and alcohol problems. When I moved in, it was filthy, and I had no bed linen. It feels enormously bleak, sleeping on a bed with no sheets. It's such a simple luxury that's somehow a necessity to make me feel like a human being again, to make me feel safe. And I thought about who had slept there before me. I've learnt to sleep like a baby. Well, not my friend's baby, he's up all night. But how babies are supposed to sleep. Even with no sheets or curtains I can sleep like that now. Sleep deprivation is unsustainable and something had to give. So I have learnt how to sleep again. I'm truly grateful for that flat. I met my neighbour after three months. Can you believe it? At home we're very open, but here everyone is just staying indoors. I really didn't know anybody here when I arrived, not a soul. I have a key worker who showed me where to shop. Sainsbury's is very expensive, so I walk to Netto because it's cheap. But making a life, well, that's my responsibility. This week, I've been moved out of my flat and I'm in a hostel awaiting permanent residence. The hostel's not very nice. It's quiet in a different way. It's not peaceful. It's silent. Silence makes me feel very claustrophobic. It's women only, but we don't interact too much. Everyone keeps to themselves. The facilities aren't bad, but I don't like spending time there. I feel liminal again, in between, stuck, far away, and not knowing how or when I'll get back. It's far from town, the hostel. It's only a bus ride away, but I've just begun to build an attachment to my neighbours, just to say hello and learn a little about them. That Frank's dog is called Harry... I think, although it might be the other way around, that Claudine's daughter, Leanne, was born in the same month as my eldest son. In a period of so much change, finding small nodes of connection become absurdly precious to me, and I'm saddened to give those up. At home, my neighbours are my family. We know so much about each other. Everyone belongs to someone, and everyone has a duty of care to each other. But I must stop. I idealise. And that was then... And this has to be now. So once again, enough. Carry on with me past Subway and a bus stop, R4 for Armley. On the right-hand side is Brown's restaurant and on the left is the blood donor centre. I always think of my dad dying and him needing bagfuls of blood when I walk past. It's mad that we will shed blood so effortlessly, only to collect it on the other side of the world so earnestly. We are idiots. When you get to Café Nero on your left-hand side, cross the road and immediately turn left towards the city art gallery and library. Look ahead and you'll see there's a big sign with an angel and a man in armour, a poppy wreath with our glorious dead 1939-45. to On my left-hand side is a big pavement area and on the right the Henry Moore Institute. Ahead are people playing chess, which I always think is charming. Enormous chess pieces... Walk across the square towards the library, past the art gallery. Walk quickly. We're heading for the chessboard. Take a moment and sit with me on the stone wall in front of the chessboard. 
comfortable. I'm going to imagine that I'm holding your hand, your left hand to my right. I'm stroking the back of your hand with my thumb and tracing the shape of your knuckles and feeling the soft pull of your skin against my touch. I am squeezing your fingers and you squeeze back. Shall we pretend we're on a city break together? I like to watch the people playing here. The chess pieces, black and white. As big as my children, nearly. Come. Stand up. Turn back towards the art gallery and walk towards it. Go up the steps to the main entrance. And once you're inside, turn left into the tiled cafe, which they've only just discovered. All that craftsmanship hidden under plasterboard. Things are not always what they seem. Walk through the cafe and then take the second exit on your right into the library lobby. When you get to the lobby, pause just for a moment and look up. Look at the detail. Smell the oldness of it. When you're ready, walk into the library and find somewhere to stop. This library is beautiful. It's one of my favourite places in Leeds. When I'm in a library, I like to imagine all the different soundtracks going on in people's heads, what they're absorbing on the page in front of them, and I'd like to be able to turn up the volume so all the words are being spoken at once. Inside, noise. Outside, calm. The library is the closest thing to being at home. You can legitimately do nothing in a library. Wander about aimlessly. Sit with your head in your hands over a book and not read it. Flick through the paper and only look at the pictures. And no one minds. No one judges you. I imagine being a librarian would be very pleasingly average. The average Briton is 40 years old, has two children, drives a Ford Fiesta, wears size 10 shoes, sleeps between 7 and 8 hours a day and works 48 hours a week, is married and goes to the toilet six times a day. You know... If language lessons were free for us, for me, then we would be able to learn and then teach others and we wouldn't need translators to speak on our behalf. This would be cheaper for the government, wouldn't it? Why pay all that money for someone to represent my voice, to translate my words into ones you understand? Risk management. That's why. Exit the library back into the foyer where I invited you to pause and look. Exit through the double doors in front of you. Then through two sets of glass doors and down the steps. 
turn immediately left and walk onto the street towards Greg's Baker's. Walk down towards the hedgerow. Cross over the hedgerow and walk down East Parade. Learning the first words of a language the same day as having to rely on that language because no one understands my native tongue. Now that's a learning curve. Only good morning and how are you? But better, I suppose, than assumption or dismissal or blank incomprehension. The hardest thing is being exposed socially. I think old people are kinder. Maybe they have different imaginations to younger generations. At the moment, it's not easy. It's just not easy. I have to improve my language. Actually, I've realised that, of course, wherever you are, it's not easy. There are no such dreams. But the challenge for me now is learning this language. What I want to say is not the same as what I can say. And so I depend on a shorthand, facial expressions and gestures, and looking for understanding in your eyes. And me too. I guess at your words, and I try not to come across as ignorant or slow. When you get there, turn left onto South Parade. It's the road opposite Keeble Horson Solicitors. And then walk to the end of that road and turn right onto Park Row. The hardest thing is that you can't stay quiet because you don't know, and yet you don't have the courage to ask somebody. It's so limiting. The first thing in the world is language. You have to put it first. Otherwise you can't get on with your life. You're alone. <laughs> and you can't stay alone in your flat. I have to go out. You have to do something to find. Otherwise you'll never know. And then everything will always stay new. When you get to Park Row, walk down towards the city square. And as you walk, look up. Look at all the windows. I always wonder what people do behind those windows, what their jobs are in this street full of banks. I read a strapline the other day. Money doesn't grow on trees, it grows in branches. And I wondered how much someone got paid to think of that. Are there people behind those windows counting crumpled pieces of paper, following the fate of numbers as they rise and fall with market whims, currency that creates status and gives you permission and makes people trust you? I am as far away from that world as I am from the one that my children now inhabit. Where is my space? 
I don't fit anywhere anymore. And it hurts every day. And yet, every day, I'm okay. This is what I keep reminding myself. I've learned it's not helpful to think in generalizations. When I first arrived, I stayed with two families, volunteer families who take you in for a few days while you sort out where you're going to live and they show you where the post office is and the supermarket. Kindness exists. And in this, I find energy. Kindness and community. It's underneath, but it's there. When I stop being an unknown, and when we look at each other properly. Keep walking. I want to show you somewhere that's special to me. Will you come with me? Walk down to the end of Park Row. Where we're heading is a church. It's the church in City Square that I want to show you. It's called the Mill Hill Unitarian Chapel and it's a place of welcome, truly. When you get there, stop at the archway and look up. Look at the sign. It's a dream, of course, but I like it, nonetheless. Walk through the archway and across the paving stones, up towards the big front doors. And when you're ready, come inside. And if you can't get in, sit on the steps and look across at the square. Otherwise, come in. Find somewhere you'd like to sit. I think I like it in here so much because of the hush. Library hush. Too much of me is full of noise and I can never quieten the waterfall in my head. This church is my new family. I have people's numbers and all the time I can call them if I need them. Every Sunday, a different couple invites me for lunch. My friend, Irene, is a language teacher. The vicar organised it. And after the morning service, we talk, or we go to her house, or for a walk. Her house is like a nest. She remembers about me, and she phones me. She brings me food when I cannot afford to buy any more. And at Christmas, I had lots of cards from many of them at my church, Nearly everyone. They even care about my birthday. It's overwhelming. I don't know how to say thank you. 
and the vicar always says, call me, however late. Well, that time, meeting my solicitor in London that I told you about, I rang him after the drunk man came up to me at the coach station and he and his wife came to get me. They're very nice people. I am trying to not let lonely be part of my world view, to not think like that. I used to be focused, driven, when I was settled, when I had control over my situation. But my independence is taken away from me. I can't earn a living for years now. Every morning I look for the letter telling me the decision, so I draw with a black biro, and I try not to think too much. I have very few desires. I live day to day. Even a week to think ahead is too hard sometimes. A month, a year, is too hard. I can't live in fear anymore. I'm not going to move. I have to settle somewhere and build my life. I'm not going to care about what they might do. My only option is to be practical. I don't want to live underground illegally because people take advantage of you. You have no rights. I was an optimist. I am an optimist. I am looking for hope. I am hoping for a bright future. I am clearing my path for that goal. Okay. We're nearly at the end of our walk together. Will you come with me out of the church? We're outside again now. Walk back down the path. Back under the arch. And then we're going over there. To City Square. I want to sit by the fountains with you before we say goodbye. But take care when you cross the road. You must be tired from all our walking. And it's busy. And I don't think the cars and buses take enough notice. Thank you for listening. Thank you for finding the time to do this with me. Once you're in City Square, sit on any bench. Take your pick. I have slept on most of them. What was I expecting? I was expecting the country to be religious, Christian. The older generation seem to be, but younger people aren't. And honestly, I'm sad about that. I'm a woman of God. People are losing their culture. I think they're losing touch with their history. Mine, I must not remember. And I cannot forget. My in-group is your out-group and we depend on those lines to make us who we are. Without them we are singular, without social identity, so I force you out so I can be in, and so on and so on, until we're right in the middle of a critical mass, and there, we hope, we find acceptance, by me rejecting you. It's like dominoes. Everyone walking past me has purpose. I am trying to find purpose, to hold on to the very fact of my breath as enough of a reason. I am trying to have a good time. There must be possibility in today. Hope. 
My friend Daniel has a son, Jude. Daniel committed suicide in the reception centre because an unaccompanied minor cannot be deported. And leaving my family, I protect them too. And I let them down forever. I trap them in my memory. And there is a crushing, burning feeling in my throat and across my chest every time I think about them. So I don't. I can't. Sometimes I curl up under my bed. I actually fold myself away and then the fear passes and I get up again. And I feel a bit embarrassed with myself, even though no one ever sees me do it. I know that it's difficult for you to believe me, that it's easy for people to assume that this is a better, easier way to live. But I didn't choose this, to start again. I just wanted to feel safe. Safer. Me and them. My family. Friends. I am trying to be happy. To be here. And I'm looking forward. That is my big idea. Take care. It was nice walking with you. Safe home. <laughs>